1: Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host,
2: Chad Young. Hello and welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. As the man said, my name is Chad Young couple big pieces of business for MLB on Friday. First, some new rules were approved. MLB will be instituting a pitch clock, making bases larger, limiting pickoff moves, and banning shifts that put three players on one side of the infield. Last night, along with my co-host Pete Ball, I recorded an episode of Keeper Cut due to come out Monday, and we go into some more detail on how we think this should impact thinking about keepers and future value for players. You'll see a lot of thoughts on what these rules mean over the next few days. You should go check that out. The other big change that MLB said they would recognize the inclusion Inclusion of minor league players in the MLBPA. Not much fantasy impact there, but great news for minor league players who should benefit greatly from this representation. Looking at transactions, injuries, things like that. As expected, Josh Young called up and he wasted no time making an impact for the Rangers. Young played third base and hit seventh, smoked a home run in his first plate appearance, finished his debut two for four, and added a stolen base. He will not be hitting seventh for long if that continues. This is a guy who could be a big difference maker. The Rays got a couple of big pieces back Friday. Drew Rasmussen returned from the paternity list to start at Yankee Stadium, went six shutout, allowing six hits and striking out ten. Just a brilliant performance. As we've discussed, the current edition of the Yankees can't hit at all. Still, that's an ace-level performance from Rasmussen. The other big return was Wander Franco, finally off the IL. Wander hit second, went three for five with a couple of doubles or two runs, two RBIs. Just great to see him back. To make room for those two, the Rays designated Yu Chang for assignment and optioned Yanni Chirinos to the minors. The Angels got back both Michael Lorenzen and Mickey Maniak from the IL, optioning Tuki Tucson and designating Ryan Aguiar to make room. Lorenzen actually fared decently in his return against the Astros, lasting five and two-thirds, allowing a run and three hits, although he struck out just two and walked four. Unfortunately, his pen couldn't hold the lead for the W. He had just six whiffs and an 18% CSW. His velocity was down half a tick or so. Looks like he will miss Cleveland and get Seattle next, and that's a little risky to me. Moniac, meanwhile, was 0-3 for three, hitting eighth, not expecting much from him. The Italian breakfast back on the menu in Kansas City as Vinny Pascantino returned to play first base and hit fourth for the Royals. He was 1-3 for three with a double and a walk. One of my favorite first base prospects, and he should be back in lineups for all managers in all leagues. Ryan Presley back at the back end of the Astros pen. He got his 26th save Friday. He gave up a home run to Taylor Ward, but struck out two and held on for the win. Brandon Bialik was optioned to the minors to clear space. We talked yesterday about the unfortunate fall tip that caught Kiebert Ruiz on Thursday. Well, after that, he hit the IL. This keeps him out until at least September 19th. If you've been using him at catcher in redraft, you can safely move on. You really can't afford to wait for his return. Israel Pineda replaced him on the roster, but it was Riley Adams getting the start at catcher for the Nats Friday, going one for 4 with a double and a run. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. also came up on the show this week. He also hit the I.L. Friday. Otto Lopez recalled to replace him. I expected a strong finish from Gurriel, so this is a big loss. As of right now, all we know is it's possible he'll need more than the minimum 10 days to get back, so we'll just have to wait and hear more. Friday Peralta also placed on the I.L. as anticipated. Justin Tappa was recalled to take his place. But he won't enter the rotation as he'll use Jason Alexander, Eric Lauer, Adrian Hauser, Brandon Woodruff, and Corbin Burns moving forward. The Padres placed Austin Nola on the paternity list and designated Cam Gallagher for assignment. That leaves Jorge Alfaro as the only catcher listed on the roster, although Luis Camposano is listed as a DH and he probably should count. Alfaro will hold down the job while Nola is away. On Friday, Alfaro was 0 for 3, hitting ninth in the Padres lineup. The Yankees placed Jose Trevino on the paternity list and recalled Ben Rortvet, but Kyle Higashioka figures to be the regular catcher while Trevino is out. Higashioka went three for four with a home run Friday. Not a lot of reason to expect much production from him, though. Not a big fantasy impact, but Brendan McKay will undergo Tommy John surgery. McKay is a really intriguing talent, but just cannot stay healthy. Just such a shame to see this happening again to him. Some early exits and other news on Friday. Aaron Hicks left the Yankees game early, but it was not for injury. Just had a rough game, was getting harassed by the fans, and just needed to get out, it seems like. He dropped a fly ball down the line and then left it there while two runs scored, presumably because he thought it was a foul ball. Yankees just a mess right now. Giants catcher Austin wins, hit on the head with a pitch and pulled. Catchers have enough issues with head injuries behind the plate. Hate to add this to it. James Caprilan was scratched with a cut on his hand Friday. The A's only expect him to miss this one start though. Nick Madger left the Cubs game early with groin tightness. This was on the right side. He missed two months earlier this year with a left groin injury, so this is not great news for him. Yuli Guriel was scratched with Trey Mancini replacing him at first base. Sounds like it was just a late decision to give him some rest, but given how he's performed, this should maybe happen more often. Nelson Velasquez scratched from the Cubs lineup as well. That was with an illness, so it should be a short absence. Under the on field action, Nico Horner refuses to forgive me anytime he's out of my lineups. Friday, two for four with a home run and a stolen base. Had two runs and two RBIs. An impressive year for him, and he should be on your radar moving forward. Xander Bogarts hit his 13th home run in a 3-for-5 effort with a run and two RBIs. Despite the disappointing power output, he is currently the AL batting average leader and having a pretty valuable fantasy season. Alex Call had that huge day Thursday, so he followed it up with another start and went 3-for-4 with another home run. Call hasn't been a top prospect, but his minor league track record is strong, and there's no reason for the Nats not to give him the plate appearances to see what he can do. Bo Bichette tripled, homered, scored a run, drove in three. He is finally delivering the first-round value we were expecting when we drafted him. Despite relatively even splits this year, Eric Haas really is a lefty masher. And Friday, he mashed a lefty, three for five, a pair of home runs, two runs, three RBI. If you can keep using him only against lefties, you should. Oscar Gonzalez and Carlos Correa went added in Minnesota. Gonzalez was four for five with a couple home runs, two runs, and five RBI while Correa was four for five with one home run, two runs, and four RBI. Correa has been disappointing, but is turning things on lately. Gonzalez continuing to succeed despite a very aggressive approach at a plate. That's an approach that has me selling high. Ryan McMahon, two for four with a couple of solo shots. Coors played its natural role as a launching pad Friday, so he wasn't alone. Elias Diaz also had two home runs. Both of these guys have value in deeper leagues, especially when you can platoon them and only use them at home. While well, none of the Diamondbacks hit two home runs in Coors, Jake McCarthy and Dalton Varshow, both of whom, by the way, have been great lately, each had a combo meal, they had a home run and a stolen base. The D-backs are building something interesting on offense. Outside of Coors, Carlos Santana hit a pair of home runs for the Mariners. Just a rough season for him, and I'm not really betting on him to get hot. And Coors wasn't the only place for the combo meal either, as Robbie Grossman stole his sixth base and hit his fifth home run for Atlanta. Grossman, like Santana, was expected to perform better than he has, but I'm not buying it in off of one good day. Other homers around the game, Jan Gomes hit his seventh, Ben Gamble hit his eighth, Pete Alonso mashed number 33, Garrett Cooper hit his eighth, Charles LeBlanc his third, Reese Hoskins his 27th, JT Real Muto got his 16th in a three-hit day, Mike Trout hit his 33rd, Jeremy Pena hit his 17th, Chaz McCormick got his 13th, Jamer Candelario did as well, Austin Hedges hit his seventh. The Reds had seven players with multiple hits, including Jonathan India in his 10th home run, Jake Fraley in his 10th home run, and TJ Friedell with his sixth home run. Tyrone Taylor got his 16th. CJ Crone hit his 27th. Corbin Carroll hit his 2nd. JP Crawford hit his 6th. Dansby Swanson hit his 19th. Travis Darno his 17th. Michael Harris hit number 16. Eloy Jimenez got up to number 12. Freddie Freeman hit his 18th. Trace Thompson his 9th. And Trent Grisham, who's been resurgent lately, it is 17th. Stolen bases on Friday. Tommy Edmonds swiped number 27. Tyler O'Neill number 12. Lane Thomas stole his sixth. CJ Abrams nabbed his third. Randy Reyna stole his 28th. He had three hits as well. Rymel Tapia stole his sixth, as did Luis Rangifo. Andres Jimenez nabbed his 18th. Ronald Acuna stole his 26th, Elvis Andrews is up to nine. Trey Turner stole his 24th, and Will Myers took his 1st. Turning our attention to the mound, Carlos Rodon didn't go as deep as you'd like into the game, but 5 and a 3rd, 2 runs, 3 hits, and a walk isn't bad, especially with 11 strikeouts. He did give up a home run on Friday, and his home run per 9 in the second half is double what he posted in the 1st. That is a potential issue, and you'd like to see him resolve it, but he's still an ace, and you start him every time you can. Drew Smiley actually outpitched Rodon. Going seven, giving up just one unearned run on one hit and two walks while striking out eight. He had 23 whiffs and a 38% CSW. Rodon had 20 and 35%. Smiley gets the Rockies at home next, and that's a great matchup for him. Lance McCullers went seven against the Angels, allowing two runs on four hits, striking out six and walking one. He had 15 whiffs, and that's just a great start. He gets Oakland next, so keep it going. Ross Stripling was solid, giving up two runs and three hits without a walk and striking out four over six. No win for him, but got a quality start, and I'm going to keep running him out there. Yes, it was against the Royals, but Joey went, showing us why the Tigers are high on him, going six and two-thirds shutout, allowing just one walk and two hits with five strikeouts. On the other hand, his velocity was down, and he had just 10 whiffs. The Astros are coming up next, so he's going to have to do this again before I give him a shot. Where were the K's, Rowanzi? Rowanzi Contreras held the strong cards offense to just one run and four hits with two walks in five and a third innings pitched, but he struck out just one. Velocity was way down. He got up to 113.2 innings on the year across two levels after this start. He threw just 61 innings last year and didn't pitch in 2020 because of the pandemic. He's only gone over 100 innings once before. That was in 2019. You got to wonder if the Pirates are thinking about shutting him down sometime soon, especially with that velocity drop. The results for Brian Bale weren't as good as the last couple times, but five and a third innings along three runs and three hits with seven strikeouts isn't bad, though he did walk for it. It really could have been a lot worse given all those base runners. But under the hood, there were 16 whiffs and a 37% CSW. I really think he's turned a corner, and unless the Yankees get healthy, I'll start him against them next time out. Continuing our look at Promising Young starting pitching, Nick Lodolo went 8 innings, giving up 2 runs and 5 hits and striking out 11. He is an ace in the making. Austin Pruitt jumped into the start when Caprilan was scratched and threw 5 no-hit innings against Chicago with just 2 strikeouts. Don't have much faith in that happening again, though. Lucas Giolito put together a solid start Friday going 6 innings, pitch allowing 3 runs and 5 hits with 2 walks and 6 strikeouts, but... That's me saying Giolito was decent, and his decent start is against the weak A's and has a bad ERA and a bad whip, and it turns out, no win. Yeah, Cleveland's up next for him, and they're not hitting a ton, but Giolito is still high risk. Cal Quantrill worked around some trouble, five innings and nine hits and a walk. That's a whip of two, but he only allowed two runs, and only one of them was earned, and he struck out seven, plus got his 12th win, so still probably worth it. He has a matchup with the Angels next and then a repeat with the Twins after that. I definitely like him against the Angels. Against the Twins again, eh, a little bit riskier. Let's see how he does against the Angels before we make any decisions. Frankie Montas has been a roller coaster and Friday was a dip. Five and two-thirds, nine hits, four runs, four walks, four strikeouts. I am honestly not sure what's up with Montas. I want to trust him, but I just can't. Herman Marquez had been strong on the road lately, but a reminder that doesn't mean you should use him at cores. You can go look up his Friday night line for yourself. Suffice it to say, it is ugly. Robbie Ray and Charlie Morton should have been a pitcher's duel, but they gave up four earned runs apiece. For Ray, that was over five innings on eight hits and six strikeouts. For Morton, it was over six and a third with six hits, two walks, and five strikeouts. Both should be better next time out. Similar results in San Diego where Dustin May and Mike Clevenger each gave up four runs on five hits over five innings, though May only allowed three earned runs. May struck out three and walked three, while Clevenger struck out four and walked one. Obviously, those walks are a concern for May, and the lack of strikeouts for both of them, not great. That said, this is a tough matchup. It's the second straight time they faced each other. Now May gets Arizona and Clevenger gets Seattle in their next starts, and I think they will both be glad for that change. In the bullpens, Brandon Hughes got his fourth save, going one and a third, striking out one and allowing one hit. If he can get consistent, he's an interesting late-season play, but he has been too up and down so far. Dylan Tate matched use for the Orioles, going one and a third with a K and a hit. That got him his fourth save as well. The Orioles say Felix Bautista has arm fatigue, and they want to give him a few days off. Tate may be the short-term guy, but you got to wonder how long a few days is. It can be over very soon. Dylan Floro got his fourth save, taking the ninth for the Marlins. Edwin Diaz got two-thirds of an inning in that one, trying to keep the Mets close enough to win. He did fine, but the Mets didn't come back, hence Floro getting the save. Don't think this should impact Diaz's availability today, as he threw just six pitches. Nick Nelson got the 27th out for the Phillies, collecting his first save. Brad Hand got the first shot at the 9th, but two outs and two hits later, he made way for Nelson. Robertson's still the guy in Philly, but Hand could move down the ladder a bit. Sean Armstrong did the same as Nelson getting the 27th out and his second save for the Rays. JT Chargeois come in before him, but gave up a home run to cut the lead to two and then made way for Armstrong. Tim Meza took a blown save after allowing an inherited runner to score, but the Jays got it back and Jordan Romano still locked down his 32nd save with two strikeouts and one hit allowed. Guardian's pen that had been so good lately nearly blew their second straight. They were handed a 7-2 lead, and they let the Twins climb back to 7-6 before Emmanuel Classe looked dominant, getting three quick outs, including two strikeouts, to finish his 32nd save. The bullpen's not immune at cores. It was the D-backs' pen that got hit, though. They gave up seven runs. Reyes Maranta blew a save. Caleb Smith took the loss. The Rocks' pen fared a bit better. Daniel Bard pitched a clean ninth and got the win when Colorado walked it off. A.J. Puck imploded for the A's, giving up five runs on four hits and a walk to blow his fifth save and take the loss. It's just super unfortunate for Oakland, who actually managed to get a three-run lead into the ninth and then lost anyway. After that outburst, Liam Hendricks took the bump for the Sox and got his 30-second save. In San Diego, Heath Hembree took the loss for the Dodgers, allowing an unearned run. That was the ghost runner in the 10th inning. That gave the Padres' Adrian Morehan the win. Big pen names in this one pitched well, too. Craig Kimbrell went 1-2-3 without a K. Josh Hader went 1-2-3, but with two strikeouts, good to see from both of them. Finally, Kenley Jansen struck out a pair in a perfect inning, getting his 33rd save for Atlanta. With that, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll turn our attention to Saturday. Welcome back. Let's take a quick look at the weather with our friend Mark Paquette.
0: Thank you very much. Well, we saw the expected rain affect San Diego yesterday, but for the night, it's mainly gone. Just some light drizzle and rain around shouldn't really... Well, I mean, it wasn't really a big impact. Uh, I don't know why I'm looking in the future when I'm looking, should be talking about the past. Well, it is a forecast. It looks look to the future. And today, with uh, games spread out through the day and the evening, we should be all set. I don't see any rain impacting anywhere. So go ahead, feel free. Whoever you have, DFS, your season-long fantasy, go ahead and have fun. Thanks, bye. Thanks,
2: Mark. If you're looking for streamers today, you know, if Corey Kluber is available, I've been saying the Yankees don't really scare me right now, and they don't. I would start Kluber. I don't expect them to do a whole lot against him. As for the offenses I want to use, the D backs and the Rocks and cores, you know, they put up a bunch of runs yesterday. I suspect they'll do it again. And the Jays facing Kohei Arihara, definitely an opportunity for them to have a big day. With that, I'll let you go check out all the content at Pitcher List. Enjoy your Saturday. Watch some baseball. And then, hope you're back with us here tomorrow for another First Pitch.
1: This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com.